fighting for freedom every day. Broadcasting from the heartland of America, the next generation in conservative talk radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. What's up? Welcome into it. It is a Friday, man. TGIF. Welcome into it for the end of the week. You finally made it. Pat yourself on the back. Celebrate just a little bit. You scream, I scream. We all scream for ice cream or just a Friday for the end of the work week. However you celebrate, it's so wonderful to have you and spend a little time with us here on the Radio Wells. Welcome into it. This is The Voice Reason. I am Andy Hoosier, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country, multiple stations and TV, live streaming, podcasting. However you watch or listen, again, we thank you so much for spending a little time with us, your Millennial General, reporting for duty like we do every single day man what a week it's been for sure we are in the heart of january now so after you're finally like oh can we have another holiday please take some (laughs) take a little bit more time off don't worry we'll help you get through that one bottom of the hour we have a fun conversation pastor stephen broden he is the founder of the uh, fair park bible fellowship church down in texas also author of the book pawns of change We'll talk about how Democrats are losing certain minority votes across the nation. Are black voters still voting with the Democrat Party? Are they planning on voting with the Democrat Party in the upcoming election? And what can Republicans do to begin to win them over? As he touches on all that and more in his book, Pawns of Change, The Exploitation of Black Americans by Progressive Liberals. We'll do that conversation coming up at the bottom of the hour. We always do our check-in. We got to check in with him today because he's been in the news lately. It's weird. Like, I don't know how many different injections of steroids he's been on lately, but he's actually been out talking to people. And the weird part is not necessarily in the primary states that have been happening right now with Iowa or New Hampshire or South Carolina. Like, he's not in those. He was just in Wisconsin just a day or so ago. But we got to check in with him, buddy. Joe Biden, you feeling all right? You got to be getting tired out there. be clear. I'm not going nuts. Just making sure, making sure he was out there. And out of all the gaffes that we have heard Joe Biden, they are now criticizing him that this could be one of the worst ones yet with what Joe Biden does on the campaign trail. Let's go into the Biden basement. Beer brewed here. It is used to make the brew beer. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why it's coming. Uh, hold on we got to play that again turn up your radio again turn up your radio let's listen to that real closely shall we i heard something about great lakes now he's in wisconsin and he's at a he's at a brewery so that would make sense why he's maybe stumbling or just mumbling around a little bit even more so than what he usually is but can you pick out any i can't pick out any single word out that outside of great lakes all right hold on ready turn up the radio ready here we go Beer brewed here. It is used to make the brew beer. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why he's talking And people laugh like they know what he's talking about. Okay, I'm going to do it one more time. We're going to play a little game here on the show. This is the game of the voice of reason of what the heck is Joe Biden talking about? I heard something about beer brewed here at the very beginning. I think I got that part. Beer, beer brewed here, which is already tough to say. So I don't know why his script writers are giving him a tongue twister to say is Joe Biden is the way Joe Biden is. But beer brewed here something. Great Lakes. And then that was about all I got. Beer brewed here. It is used to make the beer. Oh, Earth Rider. Thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why. 
I don't usually play those over and over because those get kind of annoying and we're like, Andy, we get it. He's not very coherent. But at the same time, I'm trying to look, I have my deciphering code, my decipher key. Remember those you used to get your little like decoder ring in the mail when you were a kid so you could decipher what the message was in the newspaper that week and you could potentially win a prize. And it was a fun like little prize from like a like a cereal box or something. But you got your decoder ring. I have my decoder ring sitting right here in the studio with me. And I'm trying to use it for the Joe Biden cipher that we're trying to figure out here. And I'm just not quite getting that one. Something about beer brewed here is beer, something rather, something rather in the Great Lakes. And then people start laughing. It's like people know what he's talking about and they just don't let us in on the secret. Or they're so nervous and awkward about him speaking that they <laughs> they just laugh kind of nervously like, ah, that's cool. Great. Beer brewed here. It is used to make the brew beer. Oh, Earth Rider, thanks for the Great Lakes. I wonder why. Right. Wow, I don't know. There it is. The Joe Biden statement of the day. Let's go into the Biden basement. I'm sure we'll get to see more of those on the campaign trail, and it will only get worse as he continues to age and his cognitive ability continues to dwindle, and the the steroids that he's on right now, being able to stand up for more than 10 minutes in front of a crowd, begin to slowly, but surely, wear off. I want to get into a lot of what's trending. We have a lot to talk about today, obviously. We have more issues going on at the border. We'll talk about that in just a moment. We have a 72-hour waiting period for the immigration bill that's coming out of the Senate that is from Senator James Lankford from uh, Oklahoma, which we will get him on the program soon. He's a frequent guest here on the show. Also, Chuck Schumer from the state of New York, as they've put a 72-hour reading period for all these senators and elected officials to read the bill and have any questions that can be directed towards them to try and answer them before the vote takes place on the Senate floor. So what does that entail? We'll get to that in just a moment. But I want to shift gears for a moment, and this is... I know this is an issue. What's trending today? This is a an issue that bothers me. And maybe it's just kind of an annoyance to you. Maybe it doesn't even bother you. Maybe you just don't care. But this is one of those that just bothers me. And I think it's because every one of us, at least just a little bit, at least for more so the conservatives, you and I on the Republican conservative, you know, limited government side, we have just a little bit of that rebellious side of us, right? I mean, every one of us do. We all have that little bit of rebellion in us where someone tells us to do something and your first response wants to be make me you know you just have that side and it's okay to have that we have to have that because complete conformity is a really really bad dumb thing there's a continued story and i hear these stories every once in a while there was actually a story about this in the state of kansas recently that's kind of died off but there's a bigger case in texas that's been floating up to the courts and apparently there's a court hearing in i forget february or march I believe when they're going to take it to court and actually hear this one of a public school district, the Barbers Hill Independent School District, that is mandating that a student cut their dreads, their dreadlocks, because the dress code policy for the school says that boys cannot have the the hair as long as he has it. Now, the pictures that I've seen of the student, even though his hair is braided in the dreadlocks, they're all pinned up to where it's up. And it's high. It's all it's all pinned together. It's not like down. It's not looking dirty. It's not like waving all over the place. You know, it's dreadlocks. So, you know, people are like, oh, the smell of dreadlocks. Whether you like dreadlocks or not, it's really up to you, your own personal prerogative. But there's like no nests in it. There's no birds hanging out in those things because dreadlocks can get a little dirty. Although personally, I don't mind dreadlocks and I think they're kind of neat. 
if I had more hair, I would totally get dreadlocks, but I would I, I, I don't have enough hair to make something like that happen. Although, I don't know, my braided mohawk that I do at the top that I wear, I think maybe I could squeeze a couple of those. Like some of those attachments, not like real dreadlocks, but like the attachments. That'd be kind of neat. Yeah. Now, the first hurdle on that one's trying to get Mrs. Voice of Reason to sign on to that. But nonetheless, so the school district has said that he's not allowed to wear the dreadlocks. Now, the student says that he has the right to do so because it is a public school and he has a right to freedom of expression at the school. And it's going to court to decide. Apparently, the school district and the superintendent, which is having calls for him to step down because of this stance against this individual. And, of course, they're trying to say racism because it's a black student carry it with these dreadlocks and therefore it's racist and all this other garbage. But the superintendent apparently has purchased an entire full page ad. In the January 14th article or a newspaper of the Houston Chronicle defending the suspension of a student for the hair that was too long and says the districts with a traditional dress code are safer and achieve higher academic performance. According to the story, they say, quote, we will not lose sight of our main goal, high standards for our students. By bending to political pressures or responding to misinformed media reports, these entities have lesser goals that ultimately harm kids, he writes in the newspaper article. He goes on to say, quote, our military, here's where he's getting in trouble, by the way, the superintendent Greg Poole, that says, quote, our military academies maintain a rigorous expectation of dress. They realize being an American requires conformity with the positive benefit of unity and being part of something bigger than yourself. Now, being in Texas, I would assume that things are relatively conservative in Texas, at least in some areas. Being a school administrator probably isn't the most conservative, and you can tell that by the rhetoric being spoken here. That our military academies, first off, you're in a public education school. It is an independent, quote-unquote, school, so I think it's like a magnet or some type of offshoot of a public school to where people have the choice to go to it. But it's the Barbers Hill Independent School District. You're not a military academy. You're not having everybody dressed prim and proper in uniform every single day. The main maintain a rigorous expectation of dress. They realize being an American requires conformity with a positive benefit of unity. Everybody happy, hunky-dory, singing, holding hands, singing kumbaya, loving each other together, and being part of something bigger than yourself. To me, that kind of comment resembles something of the community, the greater good is more important than the individual. And as a conservative, as a limited government individual, these types of stories bother the you-know-what out of me. And I've said this many times on the show that I refuse. If I ever buy a bigger home, if I ever move and I ever get a bigger home and move into a district or something, I will never, and I repeat, I will never partake in a homeowner's association. Because if someone tells me what I can and cannot do with my front yard, believe me, I am going to do exactly what they tell me I can't, and I will do it to the nth degree just to annoy the hell out of them because that is my property, and you will not tell me how to live my life or what to do with my own property. If you tell me that I have to keep it prim and proper, guess what? You're getting a flower pot toilet sitting in my front yard that will be pointed at every single neighbor that complains about it because that's the way I feel. That's my property. You can't tell me what to do with it. Now, are you going to be am I going to affect somebody else's equity in their home? Of course not, but at the same time, screw you. Leave me alone. Let me live my life. And this, fa- this, this falls down into the idea of the students as well. There is, obviously, times are changing. And there are some people that like tattoos, don't like tattoos, like long hair, don't like long hair, like it prim and proper, want you to wear the suit and tie and the come over hairstyle. The 1950s are gone. 
And as much as I love the 1950s era, and I really honestly wish that I had lived in that 1950s era, sometimes compared to what we're seeing in the crazy times that is 2024, the times are changing. And that's not the only way to look professional in today's times. And we each have our own line of what's professional, what's not professional. But at the same time, having your hair, even if it is dreadlocked, pinned up nice and high to where it's out of the way, it's not a distraction for students, then why the hell do we care whether the student actually has long dreaded hair or not, if they're still professional. Now, if he's coming in with tattoos on the, you know, the teardrop over the eye, which I know is something you get like in prison, and you have your pants all the way down to your ankles, then we could have a discussion about being appropriate in public type of conversation. But it's hair. And why we still have dress codes like that, I'm not saying, you know, let anybody wear whatever they want to, because then you get the girls that wear the skirts way too high. You have guys that don't put up their pants or, you know, that are just bearing too much skin. Whatever the case is, I get it. We have to be somewhat professional or at least somewhat uh, nice appearance in public. But hair, it drives me nuts. And maybe it's a stickler to me because that was a battle I always had with my parents. You can't wear a hat. And you, you wouldn't imagine the amount of arguments that I had with that as my as a kid. And I wanted to wear hats more. Now I don't because I have a mohawk and I kind of enjoy my hair. But at the same time, I don't understand why we do this. And this idea of conformity and unity and doing something bigger than yourself, that type of rhetoric concerns me greatly in a public school, trying to tell you that you as an individual trying to express yourself at a time when expressing yourself is probably the most important to figure out your own identity and who you are, to say that you can't do that because you're not allowed to because the administration tells you to, that bothers me and drives me nuts. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into it. So wonderful to have you with us today for a Friday. Interesting conversation. What is conformity today? What do you agree with on that line of what conformity is versus rebellion? Should we just get in line and conform to whatever everyone says is expected of us? Is professional, quote unquote, or is that time of changing? Another great conversation along with actually just the hairdos themselves, which again, I'm, I'm totally okay. As long as you're not coming in with them dirty, with them natted, you know, the, you can really tell that if someone's not being taken care of properly at home, if you, you know, a little girl, for example, is coming to school and they have, you know, their hair's all matted and it's not combed out and it's dirty, you know, then there's problems there. And if you have a high maintenance type of hairstyle like a dreadlock, then you have to do the high maintenance to take care of it to make sure that it's clean and it doesn't smell and all the other garbage, whether they're real or whether they're kind of the attachment sort of thing. So you can tell. And if they keep them up and they keep them out of the way, they're not distractions. And why do we care about this stupid stuff? According to the school district and Fox News, they say that there are students that have applied for the exemptions based on religion or a religious exemption or uh, other types of qualifications to apply for, which I don't know if this student has done or not. But according to the superintendent who is defending this against the 18-year-old Daryl George, they say, quote, we have African-American students with hair longer than our dress code permits. They have applied, qualified for, and were granted religious exemptions. The criticism from the media is based upon assumptions that the school district is clinging to outdated values or social norms, but academic excellence never goes out of style, according to Greg Poole, that superintendent, in that full-page ad that he took out of the newspaper trying to defend this position. It's an interesting 
conversation to think about and ponder because I don't know why this continues to be an issue because we base so much on these are the rules as opposed to just thinking about it in a commonsensical manner be like yeah that's the rule but is this really harming anybody should this be a changed or just you know kind of tweaked a little bit for the dress code or should we just get rid of this altogether or does this even apply to the situation yeah the hair may be long but according to the pictures we're seeing here it's always up it's always tied up. It's not hanging down. It's not that distraction. It's not the bad issue. So what do we have here? It's another conversation with like tattoos, for example. I remember working at a bank and which again, thank God I have to say, thank God that I don't have an office job and that I have to wear a suit and tie every day that I have to cover up tattoos. Although I only have one tattoo and it's covered up because it's on my shoulder. So I wear a t-shirt and you can't see it, but I'm planning on many more here down the road and I'm excited about those. But at the bank, when I worked at the at the bank for a while, you had to wear a suit and tie or at least a, a jacket and a tie and some type of slacks like that. But you had to wear those. And if anybody had tattoos, they had to cover them up. There was a co-worker that I had that where she had to put Band-Aids over her wrists and over her arm where she had some tattoos because they were not allowed to be visible. I personally, and this may be controversial and maybe some of the older demographic that doesn't like tattoos, totally fine. I get it. My grandmother still is not happy with the fact that I have a tattoo. That's all right. Whatever. But I think in today's times with how popular tattoos are, how they become part of society, that they're completely acceptable. And I have zero problem with them, no matter where they're at, unless, of course, it's something of vulgar language or some type of vulgar display of something that's inappropriate for children to see or something, but most of them are not. What drives me nuts personally about tattoos is that the ones that are just like random, if I'm going to have a massive amount of tattoos, which I <laughs> I've said this, Mrs. Voice of Reason does not like this and it's okay. And I'll probably never do it because of, you know, wanting to hold myself to a little bit more professional standard, obviously for the industry that I'm in and what I enjoy. But if I could just go wild, my, my all time fantasy, if I just could do anything that I wanted, just didn't really care what anybody thought, which I'll get to that point at some point in my life, maybe when I retire, I've always wanted like the three quarter sleeves, like in my entire arm being covered all the way up to like halfway down my wrist. I or my forum. I would love that. Now I wouldn't do that. Why? Because that's a lot of money and that's a little bit excessive. But what drives me nuts are the tattoos that are just like completely just random. There's got to be a flow to it. There's got to be a story to it. It's got to have a purpose, got to have a meaning, not just, oh, hey, let me stick a Mario and a Luigi on my arm here. Like that's me. I don't understand those kind of tattoos. Different times, different generations, but things are changing. Times are changing and things that weren't acceptable before now look very professional. And we have to accept that. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. When Reason Meets Radio, this is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome back into it. Trying to cram that 10 pounds of reason into that five-pound bag. Trying to rebrand the millennial generation. One radio listener at a time. Multiple radio stations all over the place. Plus TV and live streaming and podcasting. However you check us out. Which, if you get a chance, go to our podcast, HoosierReason.com. You can find the link to all of it. Or you can just find us on The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier on any favorite podcasting sites. Um, Amazon, Google Play, TuneIn, iTunes, doesn't really matter. You can find us on all of them, Spotify. And check out the last couple of episodes as our podcast hosting site 
has been doing some changes to where now they're trying to implement artificial intelligence, AI, to generate like the descriptions of the episodes. So instead of me writing like the recap of what we talked about on the program, it did it automatically. Kind of interesting. So I let it do that for the last two days, and I actually had to cut a lot out because it like gave full-on paragraph descriptions of what we've talked about on the show. And I don't know if it's still going to do it. It gave me like a couple days trial. It's still in its beta phase, but it may be coming out more so. And I, I find it kind of interesting. So I don't know if you enjoy those descriptions better than what I just, you know, kind of the chicken scratch I put on there and be like, all right, I'm just happy whatever day it is. Check out the episode. I don't know which one's more beneficial for people in the podcasting world to be enticed to want to listen to the actual program. You can find all the information on the website at HoosierReason.com. Interesting, fascinating conversation that we have about the ongoing battle in Texas right now with, I mean, right now we're battling immigration, but on the home front for the education side, we're seeing the schools saying that the dress code's being violated with a student wearing their dreadlocked hair up right now on whether that violates dress code and whether there needs to be a violation of that dress code or whether we're just hanging on to something that's a bit outdated for quote-unquote professionalism. What is professionalism today? Kind of an interesting concept. I'm getting messages, by the way, about the conversation I mentioned about tattoos. So I definitely pushed a button there. You can agree or disagree. I'd love to get your response and get your thoughts on the email, which you can email me at network at gmail.com. All right, I want to shift gears. What's trending today? So now that we're going into an election season, the question is not just this election, but really every election. I have to ask you the question, do Republicans do a good job at reaching out to the minority communities across the country? Have we done a good job reaching out to the Hispanic community, which, by the way, are very upset with the border policies right now from the Biden administration to win them over and show, hey, you know, we're all about having people come in, as Donald Trump likes to say, through the big, beautiful doors. But at the same time, we want to make sure the cartels aren't coming up, which is why the Hispanic community is not happy about the open border policy and the cartels coming in, which is exactly why they fled certain areas of Mexico and Central America. We have the African-American communities right now that seem to be quite upset with the Biden administration. But is it enough for them to actually walk away? Is it enough? And is the Republican Party doing enough to do the outreach and to win them over? I'll never forget the the election from Donald Trump where he went into inner, inner city communities and said, what have you got to lose? You voted Democrat for the last 60, 70 years. What have you got to lose to try something different? Because how well has it actually done for you throughout the years? So talk about that and so much more. Really happy to have on the program. He is the founder and the senior pastor at the Fair Park Bible Fellowship Church and also author of the book Pawns of Change, The Exploitation of Black Americans by Progressive Liberals. Happy to have on the program here, Pastor Stephen Broden. Pastor, how are you, my friend? Oh, are you there? Going one? Going try? Sorry, we'll try and get you on here momentarily. Let's see. Maybe maybe we had a little fungal. Let's just try this again. Pastor, are you with me? No. All right. We'll try and get him on the program here momentarily. Not a big deal. But it's an interesting concept when Donald Trump was really the trendsetter for the Republicans to say, we're going to do something different and we're going to reach communities that normally are not reached by the Republican Party when it comes to minorities. In fact, even this election, he's openly said that, hey, we need to try and reach out to other groups that normally don't get some exposure, that normally don't get to here republican values and while we seize this opportunity we always say carpe diem every day seize the day that now is the opportunity for republicans to try and seize the day because so far and i ask you if you are one of those members of the community i ask you what type of glass ceiling has been put on for us to not be able 
to excel, to live that American dream, to have the streets paved with gold and to have the you know, Statue of Liberty, that opportunity for everybody through some of the government programs that hold so many down all over the nation. Let's see if we got the pastor back on the line here. Pastor, are you there, my friend? Hello. I don't know what's going on. Might be a phone line issue. Well, the weather. I'm, t- I'm blaming it on the global warming. Thank you, government, for silencing us. We don't want us to have this conversation. Let's try one more time here if he's there. Are you there, sir? No. All right. We're going to have to try back a little bit later. Not a big deal. We'll try back later on. Nonetheless, if you have a glass ceiling above your head, then how do you break through it? Do you do the same thing over and over again? What's the definition of insanity? And do the same thing over and over. And if you do the same thing over and over, are you going to see anything different? For example, the, 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 some of the Democrats going into an election season are starting to realize that maybe standing with the extreme left-wing progressives are not the best thing that you could possibly do. Even the man himself, John Fetterman, has come out and said that on the border issue that we need to do something to take care of the southern border. I honestly don't understand why it's controversial to say we, we need a secure border. I think two things can be true at the same time. You can be very supportive of immigration, but we also need to have a secure border. And I really I think about immigration is we want to provide the American dream for any uh, migrant. But it seems very difficult when you have 300,000 people showing up encountered at, at our border to do that. That audio from Fox News, by the way, that is quite interesting when you have someone like John Fetterman, one of the most radical progressives, but he tries to be Mr. Middle of the Road, Mr. Blue Collar Worker, Mr. Guy from Pennsylvania, who's going to represent the people of the state of Pennsylvania, when he comes out and he starts walking away from the Democrat Party on immigration. Now, for those of you that don't know, for example, the Democrats and even James Langford, the senator from Oklahoma, have come out and said that this immigration bill in Washington, D.C. is going to have a 72-hour review period throughout the weekend for Congress individuals in the House and the Senate to look at it, to ask questions, and to understand what this bill is before it goes onto the floor of the Senate here in the next few days. And while they look at this bill, I have to raise some concerns that if Democrats are getting excited about a bill, especially on immigration, that we should maybe be a little concerned about it. I don't know about you, but if they're okay with it, the ones that have been allowing open borders and allowing more than 10 million illegal migrants to come into the country since the Biden administration took hold back in 2020, let me repeat that number for you, 10 million in the last three years, then we should be somewhat skeptical of what this bill actually looks like. So what's happening? The state of Texas standing up and doing their own thing. And oh, by the way, as we look at trying to reach some of these minority communities across the nation, look at what Myra Flores from the District of 30, uh, Congressional District 34 in the state of Texas running for office again. Look at what she's been able to do as someone who, by the way, although she was in office for only like six months, was the first Mexican born congresswoman as a Republican, as a MAGA Republican that was representing in one of the deepest blue districts that we had in the entire state of Texas. That should be a telltale sign that members of the communities are starting to get just a little bit frustrated with what's going on. And even when your own members of the party are starting to walk away because the policy is too radical, as we talked about yesterday with our guest, uh, Scott McKay, where he said that the Obamas were behind most of this, at what point do you say we've done enough of the damage or we've done enough of our agenda? Sorry, we got to label this right. Enough of our agenda quote unquote, for the Democrats. Let's back it off a little bit. Let's make the people be a little bit more peace, and then we can win them back over in an election. And you know it works, too, because prime example with the economy, although we're still seeing near 20% inflation rates compared to the last three years or over the last three-year period cumulatively with 20% inflation, we're starting to see prices slowly dip 
now just a little nowhere near what they were back in 2020 nowhere near what they used to be but it doesn't matter they're dipping down just a little bit so even just that brief sigh of relief the latest polls show that the vast majority of americans now are not as frustrated about the economy that's fine we saw the gdp growth in the fourth quarter at 3.3 percent higher than what economic experts anticipated for the fourth quarter showing that people are still spending money even during a quasi-recession, even during the time that we were going to slow down our spending because the economy is so bad, inflation so high, things are so expensive. It didn't matter. People still spending massive amounts of money for the holiday season. Why? Because, unfortunately, the American people have a very small memory and a short-term memory, and we forget a lot of stuff. And the Democrats right now aren't remembering that very simple tactic that could help them very easily right now. Democrats, I'm literally giving you some aid right now, which I shouldn't be doing. But at the same time, you have a very easy because you have the media for you. You have the politicians of the talking points for you. You have just the general public's mindset in inner cities to where you can just spread something on social media and it goes like wildfire. And even if it's not true, all of a sudden now everybody's talking about it as if it's fact. And if you question it, then you're a racist. You're a most horrible human being on the face of the earth. <laughs> That's, I mean, it's true, isn't it? So all you have to do is back off on the agenda, solve the border crisis, or at least look like you're solving the border crisis. And people will win. The Democrat Party itself, at least, will win you over. They'll be fine. The Democrat voters won't go anywhere. They won't be frustrated. But they're not doing it. And the Hispanic population's upset. And the African-American community is upset. And the Jewish community is upset and even the Muslim community is upset because Muslims think that they're not standing enough for Palestine. The Jewish community doesn't feel like the Democrats are standing enough for the for the Jewish community and for Israel. So they're not they're They're trying to appease both sides and they're angering both of them. They're losing every demographic they possibly have. And yet many of them still vote for the Democrats. Why? How do we reach these communities? How do we actually make them realize that it's been the Democrats holding them down for so long? How do we make them realize that that is the glass ceiling that's been put upon them to not allow them to flourish and to grow and to succeed in society that I don't believe necessarily in systematic racism, but I do believe in the sense that people are trying to keep others down through different means, one of them through the actual government, while they say the programs are there to help individuals, and yet people continue to just do it. They go along with it. And Donald Trump and some conservatives are finally, after all these decades, finally starting to say, let's try something different to win them over and realize what potential they have and how successful the American dream can actually be. Lots more coming up. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed. Welcome back into it. Last couple of minutes here on the program. So, Pastor Stephen Broden, I'm not sure why our phone lines are not wanting to work. We're having the engineers behind the scenes work on the phone lines, but uh, we just got a few minutes left here of the show, so we're going to get him rescheduled back on the program here soon because I really want to chat with him. So much great content. I'm blaming it on the government, man. I'm, I'm thinking that they're not allowing us to have this connection. So we'll get him rescheduled here soon and looking forward to chatting with him. The question still remains, and I've said this many times before, that conservatism wins. The idea, the vision, the philosophy of conservatism wins when we actually 
market it, when we actually have a proper messaging campaign to let people know what it's all about, because then they try to tie it to, well, this person claimed to be conservative and they're corrupt, or this person over here did something. It's not about the person. It's about the ideology. It's like the nation. You can say that you're patriotic and that you love this nation without saying that you love the government. The government is a necessary evil, and right now that necessary evil is way too big and bigger than what it was intended to be, so we need to kind of knock it down a few pegs. Doesn't mean I still don't love my country. Doesn't mean that I still don't think this is the greatest nation on the face of the earth, because it is, and we need to remember that. So we have to continue to fight for what's right here in the nation, which is conservatism and equal opportunity for everyone. Not equal outcome, but equal opportunity to give everybody that same opportunity to thrive, and it's up to them to decide whether they're going to succeed or not. The problem is that some on the other side of the aisle don't like that message because that means that their responsibility to succeed is on them, and that's a very scary thing for those individuals who may not be used to that concept. So... That's when you have motivation. You had the motivational speakers. You get them hyped up. Yes, you can do it. You can rock it, baby. You can carpe diem all over this place, which is what we love to do here on the program. Speaking of that battle in knocking the government down a few pegs, we have 22 states now that have come out in support of the state of Texas with their ongoing battle against the federal government. And could this be it? Could this be the line drawn in the sand? Could this be the final straw? Could this be the straw on the camel's back? That we see where the states finally stand up and say enough is enough and I don't care what the government says, we're going to do what we need to do. After the decision from the Supreme Court to try and knock down some of these fences at the border that the National Guard has put up, the state of Texas continues to fight for it after Article 1, Section 10, saying that they have the right to stop an invasion from their own state if the federal government won't stand up and do their own job regarding this. And now we have over half the nation that's also in support of this movement, or almost half the, uh, half the nation with 22 states on board, 23 states in total, including the state of Texas. And if that's the case, how far will the federal government push this? How far? How much of the envelope are they going to try and push that threshold to say, no, no, the federal government said we have to, therefore. And I'm here to tell you that there are many Republicans, so beware. There are many Republicans that are still okay with, well, the law says, so therefore you just got to go ahead and do it. I don't like that mentality. Well, the law says, so you just got to go along with it. You know, people that said that, those that refused to do anything during the civil rights movement. You know, people like that, those are the ones that looked the other way when there was slavery going on, when they knew that slavery was bad. Well, the law says it, and that's not okay. Those are the ones that are just complacent with the way things are. Those are the ones, as we talk about with like the dress code, the conformity. Well, as long as it says, even though it doesn't make any sense and it's not harming me. Well, as long as it says that you just got to go along with it. There's a line between laws that actually help people and protect people. And there are laws that are just ridiculous on the books because somebody thought that that was what it needed to be because of their own personal opinion. And I'm not okay with those. And as conservatives, we shouldn't be okay with those, whether it's something like, you know, well, the state can't handle immigration policy. That's what the law says. Can't do anything about it. Federal government said it. Or whether they say, you know what, there's something massively wrong here and the federal government's not going to handle it. We have to do it ourselves. There's a major line there. And some are just too complacent to go along with it. Someone's hair, all the hair is all, it's, it's up and it's, it's tied up and it may be dreadlocked and it's longer than what the dress code said, but it's tied up so you don't even know. It doesn't matter it's what the law says. Those are the people that are just all about conformity, which conformity 
can be good. And I say conformity in the sense of we all love our nation, or at least we should love our nation with the idea of patriotism and nationalism and still agreeing that this nation is the greatest nation on the face of the earth. Outside of that, we have something called individualism. We have something called state sovereignty. We have something called individual rights. We have something called the states having the ability to dictate what's going on at their own borders, within their own state regions, and their own borders, and to be able to decide what's best. The social experiment, the experiments of states' rights, the Tenth Amendment, the concept of federalism. And guess what? If the federal government pushes that envelope against the state of Texas, you're going to have 22 other states you have to deal with. This could get very bad, and this could be that brink of that tension between the state's level and the federal level as well. Scary stuff. Interesting stuff for sure. I told you. Welcome to 2024. It's going to be a good one. We're back at it again on Monday. We have our nationally syndicated weekend edition of The Voice Reason coming up this weekend as well. Don't miss that. Until then, everybody have a wonderful weekend. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.